Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Confessions of a Rare Disease Mama. I am your host, Jillian Arnold. Hello, hello. I just started recording without the microphone plugged in, so it's definitely one of those mornings. But I got my coffee here, and I am still sitting on the floor of our basement because we have not yet put together our desks that are sitting in the garage currently. Um, But we did finally get rid of our couch, so that cleared up a lot of space. (laughs) Next, I have to sort through the tubs and tubs and tubs of baby clothes that are down here because... I know I need to sell or donate, but it's so hard for me to get rid of baby clothes per se, like other things. I'm like, get them out of the house. But I just feel like the baby clothes, each one holds like such a special memory. And it's just, it's just hard. I like look at them and I'm like, oh, well, Stella wore this on this day or for this holiday. And I know I need to just bite the bullet, get rid of them. They're just things. Um, But yeah, it's just, it's a little daunting just staring at all these tubs full of clothes that I need to go through. I feel like there's not enough hours in the day sometimes, you know? So it has been miserably hot here. I'm sure in a lot of other parts of the country, you've been going through the same kind of heat wave. But yesterday, it felt like 100 degrees outside. I think it's been like high, high 90s. And In Ohio, it's super, super humid. So on top of that, it's just like you step outside and you feel like you like can't even breathe. So I have been going a little stir crazy in our house. I mean, we haven't even really been taking the kids on a walk. Like I've said in the past, Stella absolutely hates the heat and she does not do well in the heat. And So we've just been kind of like stuck inside for a few days now. We did take them into the hot tub last night and don't worry, we lowered the heat way, way down. (laughs) Um, So it honestly felt like just nice, cool pool water and actually felt really good. So yeah, I'm just ready for this hot ass weather to be done. And I'm sure a lot of you saw on my story on Instagram the other night, we had like a horrible storm here. And we had a tree in our backyard get lifted out by the roots, which I've always wondered how exactly that happens. Like, it's just, it was just weird to see it like happen in real time. <laughs> Cause it seems like you have to have some pretty intense winds to pull a tree out by the roots. And our little gazebo that we had over our hot tub was like totally smashed. Uh, Donald actually was able to salvage it for the time being until we buy another one. Um, He has like one side kind of tied up onto our railing of our deck. So it's a temporary fix, but the good news is it wasn't totally, totally ruined like we thought, but we we will have to definitely get a new one. But that's okay because things like that can be replaced. And I'm just glad that we are all safe and we didn't have any more damage done beyond that. So I know the last episode, I was talking about the uh, Neiman Pick Disease Foundation hosts a family conference every year. The past few years, it's been virtual and we've always attended. And this is the first year that they're doing like a face-to-face, like in-person 
and it's going to be in Orlando, Florida at the end of July. And I was talking in the last episode how me and Donald were just feeling really bummed because we were trying to wrap our brains thinking of how we could get there with our two kids and all their stuff because it is pretty insane the amount of stuff that we have to bring with us to go anywhere, even for like a night. Um, So the good news is that we actually went ahead and booked our hotel room for it. So I think fingers crossed we are going, we have a plan to get there. Um, We're in the process of buying a um, adaptable van because Roman and Stella are getting bigger by the day and they are eventually each going to be um, transported in wheelchairs. So Roman's kind of getting to the point now where he could probably, it'd be easier to transport him in a wheelchair. So um, this is something we've been working on getting for a while. It has not been the easiest process, but it is just getting really hard to, because right now we have an SUV and we are having to take two cars a lot of places whenever we go anywhere just to bring both their wheelchairs and their stuff with us. Honestly, even if we're going down like to the bike trail or something, it's two cars because God forbid any adaptive equipment is nice and small and easy to transport. (laughs) But anyways, we are really excited to get this van. Like I said, it's been a long process, but I'm hoping that we're like 90% sure that it will be ready for us by the end of July. So we could drive there in our van. And we were thinking, because even with our van, like we need to bring wheelchairs, we need to bring feeding pumps, we need to bring standers, like all this stuff that takes up so much space on top of just like normal luggage. So we were doing a little research and um, my brother-in-law is actually the one that gave us the idea to get one of those little cargo carriers that hooks onto the back of your car, like through U-Haul. Um, so they have like small ones that we think will hook onto our van that we can put all that stuff in. So we're hoping that that will work. Um, if anyone else has any ideas, like I said in the last episode, this is all new to us because the last time we traveled anywhere was when Roman was a baby and he didn't have like near, he didn't require near as much stuff. It was the beginning of his diagnosis and we were able to fly with him, but that was before we had, he had a feeding tube and like oxygen and pulse oxes, all this other stuff. Um, and we obviously didn't have Stella too. So it's a whole different ball game trying to figure out how to travel with two children with all this equipment. Regardless, we're pretty determined to get to this family conference. I really think that it would just be so good for our souls to just be around people that we've really gotten to know over the past three years since Roman's diagnosis via telephone, Zooms, and social media. Um, but it, I think it would just be so good for us to just be around them in person and just be able to get that human to human connection with other parents who have been through this. Cause I really feel like a lot of the people that we've met in this community over the past few years have really felt like family and I would just love to be there. So I'm really hoping that it all works out. But again, if any of you have any suggestions or um, tips and tricks about traveling 
with all this stuff, please send them my way. So I wanted to get into some really exciting news that we received this week regarding this secondary medication that we're trying to get for our kids. I know many of you know already that my children have been receiving biweekly infusions. It's a drug called Olipidase Alpha. For Roman, it's been over a year and a half now. Stella has been, I think, seven or eight months that she's been on it. And it was a real fight and struggle to get our kids access to this drug um, because the clinical trials were all full. But after a lot of advocating, we finally got them access to it. If you want to hear more about how we did that, go ahead and listen to episode two if you haven't already. This drug is not FDA approved yet, but they're hoping that it will be very soon because it has just shown incredible improvements in ASMD symptoms. It's basically been reversing damage done to organs from the neck down. And it's been working beautifully in both of my kids. The only issue is that it does not cross the blood brain barrier. So it doesn't do anything to slow down or stop or reverse the neurological deterioration that's happening. So enter the FA inhibitor, which is the secondary medication that we have been trying to get access to for our kids for, gosh, it's, I feel like it's been like almost a year now. It's just ridiculous how long this is taking. And as you can imagine, it's incredibly frustrating for us as parents to know that there is something out there that could potentially slow down or maybe even stop the neurological progression that's happening in my children's brains um, and not be able to have access to it. So the massive obstacle that we had to overcome was that we have two drug companies that we need to kind of get to approve us to use this drug. So not only did we have the drug company that actually has this particular drug, but we also had the other drug company that provides the infusion drug for my kids. They had to sign off on it too because it's another experimental medication that my kids would be on while on theirs when theirs is not currently FDA approved. So that has been our massive holdup for the past, I don't know, six months or so is just getting this drug company to officially approve my kids being on both. And it was extremely frustrating because we got a verbal yes months and months ago, which then by the time we were actually ready to start moving on things, then they're like, you know, we don't know. There's not, we need to see more data on this to make sure it's safe. And That was just extremely frustrating because I'm like, well, why didn't you ask us for this months and months ago? Why are you waiting until now? You're just holding up the process even longer. So anyways, long story short, we found out yesterday that um, the drug company that provides their infusion drug is has officially come on board with it and gave us the official okay that we can continue to move forward, which was huge because that was the piece that was holding us up for a really long time. So now 
our geneticist met with the other drug company to discuss uh, dosing questions and um, some uh, like neurological endpoints that they are looking for, things like that. So I'm really hoping now that things will start moving a lot quicker and the next step would be to get letters from both drug companies saying that they're going to provide the drug for this study. And um, then after we get those, then we can actually submit our protocol to the FDA. The FDA then has 30 days to basically approve or deny it. If we don't hear from them within the 30-day time frame, that means we can go ahead and continue to move forward. Best case scenario is like we submit it and a couple days later, they're like, go ahead and start. <laughs> um, because after that, then we also have to submit it to our hospital's internal review board, which I'm hoping will be a somewhat quick process because I've already been in contact with the CEO about our kids and how we need this to move quickly. And then hopefully we can start the treatment. So it has been just a really, really lengthy process, extremely frustrating process. One thing I have learned through all this is patience, 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 but it's really hard to have patience when you're watching your kids get sicker and sicker. And meanwhile, you're just waiting for people at drug companies to align their schedules to have meetings. Like it's just, it makes me so angry, <laughs> but we're moving onward and upward and we tackled that big hurdle. So that was really good news. And we are hoping that our kids can start the secondary treatment within the next, honestly, like month or two. Um, there is another child out in California that started this treatment, I think about a month or two ago. Um, and he was able to start it relatively quickly because he is currently isn't getting um, the infusions that my kids are getting. So they only had to kind of get through one drug company, whereas we had two. So I'm hoping, I know that that other little boy is going to start the enzyme replacement therapy. So I'm kind of hoping that like what we're doing now is going to help him be able to get on that with no issues and not have to wait like we are having to wait. And I'm going to um, link the publications for both of these medications in the show notes just because they're pretty scientific. Um, but anyone that's interested in learning more about ASMD and these two particular treatments, I highly encourage you to look them over because they're very interesting and they're super promising. And that's just like we were talking about in the last episode, hope is everything to us as rare disease parents. And it's just encouraging to know that there are things out there that can potentially help. And it's really exciting and scary all at the same time, because as of right now, if um, when our kids start the secondary treatment, they will be the first patients ever worldwide to be on both of these treatments for ASMD simultaneously. So while it's scary and the road has been really long and daunting, I'm 
I'm hoping and praying that it will all be worth it and that some incredible things will come from all of this and we can potentially help other children in the future who are also battling this disease. So we're staying very cautiously optimistic about everything. So all of this um, brings me to what I wanted to talk about today, which is the importance of making connections within your community and really just anywhere you can, as well as utilizing all of the resources that are available to you as a special needs parent to ensure that your kids have everything they need to thrive. Because guys, there are so many resources out there. It's just a matter of knowing where to look for them and where to start. And I will tell you, we would not have been able to get this far and get our kids access to these treatments by ourselves. We have been fortunate to meet so many kind people that have helped us along the way and we wouldn't have been able to get here without them. So let's get into it. So let's talk about when you first receive a diagnosis, a life altering diagnosis as a parent, I know for me personally, I needed time to kind of process all of that before I started reaching out to people. My sister, we have kind of different responses to things. My sister was actually with me the weekend that we got my son's diagnosis and she immediately started Googling and researching and she found the National Neiman Pick Disease Foundation. And she was kind of like, hey, we should reach out to these people, these people. And I was, I didn't feel ready. I needed time. So I did immediately join a couple Facebook groups for Neiman Pick Disease. But I found early, early on in Roman's diagnosis that every time I would get on and try and research or try and Um, be a part of those groups, I ended up just getting extremely depressed. Like, And it would take me days and days to get out of this funk. And I didn't like how it was making me feel. So I kind of decided to just stay away from all of that for, I think, maybe it was a few months. Um, I just think that it was all too much too fast. And I just needed that time to process everything. But after a few months, I started feeling more ready. I was coming to terms more with things. And I remember thinking, okay, Jill, like you've had enough time to sit and feel sorry for yourself and feel sorry for your babies. But now you continuing to feel this way is not doing any good to you or your kids. And your kids don't need a depressed mom. They need an advocate. So let's kick it into gear. Because yes, this is the hand of cards that you were dealt and it sucks and it's not fair. But now it is up to us to play the hell out of that hand of cards and make sure that our kids are getting the best medical care and We are giving them every single opportunity possible to have the fullest, healthiest life that they possibly can. So I started with contacting our um, National Neiman Pick Disease Foundation, which any of you out there that are dealing with a rare disease uh, or a rare diagnosis for your children, that's where I would start. I would 
start maybe by asking your doctor if there is uh, um, a foundation for your your child's particular diagnosis. Um, And I would start there because they are going to have the most resources for you. And a lot of times they have a family support person there and they were just a real blessing to us because the family support coordinator at the Neiman Pick Disease Foundation was able to kind of hook us up with some other parents um, that were in similar circumstances or had been through similar circumstances, which is how we got connected with Stephen and learned about Wilder Nation Foundation and all of the research that they're doing, which led us to this secondary treatment that we're hoping to get soon. And once we felt ready to start connecting with other parents. That was just a game changer for us. I know everyone takes things at their own pace, especially when you're dealing with um, such a life-changing diagnosis. And I know for me personally, I felt a little more ready before my husband felt ready to talk to people. So I felt like I was kind of pushing him. And looking back, I probably shouldn't have done that. And I do kind of regret pushing him to talk to people before he was ready. But it's definitely something that I felt like I needed at the time. And I, there's just something to be said about feeling that connection. I know I've talked about this in the past. When your child is diagnosed with something that just rocks your world, and it's so easy for you to feel so isolated and feel like everyone around you is healthy and has healthy kids and that you're the only one in the world that is dealing with something like this. And it's kind of like the woe is me. Like you just feel are feeling sorry for yourself. And once you start connecting with other families, it just is everything because hearing from people who have overcome situations like this or honestly, just getting their experience and their knowledge because parents are a wealth of knowledge when it comes to rare disease in particular. Yes, there are some specialists out there that know a lot, but nobody is going to know more than a parent when it comes to rare disease because they are with their child day in, day out. They know everything. They can tell you what they've observed. They can tell you the medications they've used, what works, what didn't work. I mean, nutrition, like everything. So honestly, the first place to start is connecting with your national foundation. If if your child's diagnosis, I know there's some very ultra rare diseases out there that there probably aren't even enough diagnoses in the country to have a national foundation, visit raredisease.org. It's the national organization for rare disorders. Another recommendation would be to search Facebook groups. Everyone knows this now, right? Like that was the first thing I look for were Facebook groups because those are going to be direct contacts to other parents. I cannot even describe how helpful it was when I joined a uh, parents of tubies or kids with G-tubes after we got Romans. I learned so much more from that Facebook group than I did from any nurse or doctor at our hospital. Um, So like I said, there's just like a wealth of knowledge in those groups. 
Now, foundations are going to have information for clinical trials. Um, They're going to have information on the best specialist for your children's diagnosis. A lot of them also offer um, some financial assistance for things that you may need for your kids, which leads me to the other very critical resource that is out there that rare disease parents or um, parents of medically complex kids need to utilize, and that is financial advisors at your children's hospital. Me and my husband were so incredibly overwhelmed when we got Roman's diagnosis, which many um, parents are at first, and you are seeing all these specialists and going to all these appointments and these medical bills just start rolling in and it just adds so much more stress. And for the longest time, my husband and I didn't even think about or realize that there were financial advisors at our children's hospital that we could talk to. I think it was our um, our early intervention specialist, our PT that we see through the county, who is incredible, by the way, and has given us so many resources over the years. Um, she is the one that suggested it because I oftentimes talk to her just about like the stresses in my life. In a lot of ways, I feel like she's almost like my counselor. <laughs> um, but she suggested we talk to, she's like, you know, have you talked to a financial advisor at children's yet? And we're like, wait, what? <laughs> Um, so, and this was probably like eight months into Roman's diagnosis. We were already like knee deep in medical bills and stressing out about money in general. So we ended up meeting with someone at our, um, local children's hospital during actually when my son was admitted for like a week, we're like, Hey, we're here for a week. Let's go talk to these people. So, they were incredibly helpful. They led us to more resources that we didn't know were out there, such as Medicaid waivers and BCMH and just forms of secondary insurance. There are, we didn't even realize how many programs that our children's hospital, but I'm sure many children's hospitals across the country offer um, and how they are so willing to help they they know they understand the financial burden that having a medically complex child causes on parents and families and they have so many resources in place to help you you just need to ask for the help and seek out these resources you know applying for our medicaid waiver was huge for us for our kids it just And I know that they vary from state to state, but the one that we currently have for our children, um, which our financial advisor from Children's Hospital helped us apply and get all the documents together and submit everything, but that has been a saving grace when it comes to their equipment, when it comes to their formula, when it comes to private duty nursing, um, that 
that is what covers it uh, when it comes to making modifications to our home to make it more adaptable as our kids grow older and their needs are changing. So that was honestly a game changer. Getting getting Roman and Stella both approved for a Medicaid waiver was huge. And we would have had no idea that they were even out there unless we went and talked to somebody. There are foundations and nonprofits that offer grants and will help you with getting access to equipment if your insurance isn't covering it. Just there's so many things that are out there to help parents of kids with special needs. You just have to look. And a lot of this comes from connecting with people in your community. I can't tell you how many people wanted to help us once they learned our story and learned what that what medication we were trying to get access to. We were just overwhelmed with people being like, what can I do to help? Or I have this friend who works at the FDA or works in rare disease and they want to hear more about your story. Can you guys meet up and do you want to meet him? Anytime anyone offered me to meet someone that they thought could potentially help us, I jumped at that opportunity because you never know who is going to know someone or be connected to someone that can help. So at the end of the day, use every connection and every resource that is available to you. And don't be afraid to ask for help because we all just want our kids to have every opportunity there is out there for the best care and give them everything they need to thrive despite the tough hand that they were dealt. That being said, I'm going to wrap it up. If you are enjoying listening to Confessions of a Rare Disease Mama, one way you can help support us is to leave a review and a rating. If you have an idea for a future episode or you have something you'd like to hear me talk about or a special guest that you think I would enjoy talking to, you can fill out the contact form on my page, which is confessionsofrarediseasemama.com. Shoot me a line or if you just want to connect and say hi. I'd love that too. (laughs) So until the next time, stay safe and healthy. Bye.